Easy Gage from the Tangentialist blog digs up and discusses events and experiences from her own collaged history on having a stigmatized condition known as bipolar. She relates, reflects, and refocuses it into infectiously funny anecdotes and amusing stories that will have you in stitches. Being a roaming artist, a roaming distracted artist, that reinvents and reimagines her goals constantly, this podcast takes you down a twisting rabbit hole of icons and avenues of slightly familiar yet offbeat occurrences. Join her every other week as she delves into her own bizarre memory banks, pulling out some eccentric moments that capture the intimacy on the ups and downs of this disorder lived out in her electric days of her rebellious youth. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Tangentialist podcast with Macy Gage and let's just dive in. So this episode is episode 24 and it is called Destroying Myself the price of behavior. And last I left you, um, Jude and I had broken up and I was going to university, a very acclaimed university in Canada, an arts college. Well, it became a university, Ontario College of Art and Design. And I was going there and I started taking a liberal arts class called Introduction to Psychology. In a sense, at this time, I was high on the knowledge I was acquiring. As I was learning this information in the psychology course, it occurred to me, but not on a conscious level, that, hey, wait a minute, now I know all this about our minds, I can dictate what is going to happen to me, because I am already aware of what the Diagnostic Statistical Manual has listed my condition as being. Therefore, I will fit the criteria, but at the same time, I wanted to make mine stand out as different. I am no statistic. I am a person with a disorder that is unique to my biology. The Diagnostic Statistical Manual is the cookbook of mental conditions published every five years or so that lists them with their definitions, behaviors, and suggested medications, I believe. When I saw that this is how the medical practice sees people as categorized descriptions, that fits so neatly into boxes without room for originality or individuality. It almost made me feel like there is no room for me to grow as a person, that I needed to fit simply into these descriptions. There was no way I was going to let that happen. This was really enjoyable, but at the same time, I wasn't, I wasn't giving Jude any value to his life. I wasn't giving him anything. So so he broke up with me, and so I went manic, and I don't know if that's, if I can completely rely on the biology of my brain and the fact that I'm bipolar, but that's, that's exactly what happened. I just, I went off my, went off my rocker, went, just went nuts, and, and for me, that meant I just hopped on a train and decided I was just gonna go to the jazz festival in Montreal and, and not wear a lot of clothing, and, and well, that, yeah, that, that was, that was a nightmare to just be buying so many things. Even the store in, in Montreal, just, they, they called the police and, and that's how I ended up in, in a hospital. And well, I guess that's a whole other episode, but, but yeah, I was learning so much about the mind, um, just before I went manic and let's dive into how the title of this episode is appropriate for this moment. I am now post-trauma. 
now 25 years. That didn't sound right. Too many nows. I am post-trauma now 25 years. I am approaching the anniversary in May. In fact, a friend went through her own struggle and she shared her experience and I read it and I was awake for hours after that because don't do that kind of thing uh, where you read potentially sort of traumatic or tragic articles just before bed because that is a warning sign right there that yeah, it will will keep you awake. It definitely kept me awake. It totally made sense for her to share it because it can and most definitely will help someone because we don't know who our stories of our life or our life experience will help in the long run because it can and most definitely will. I was in a car crash on a highway going to Wonderland, a Canadian amusement park. It was on my graduating trip from high school, and my podcast episodes discuss the before, during, and after of this injury. One tough lesson I learned during this process was my behavior, or more specifically, my lack of awareness, and how it plays an important role in building ourselves up or tearing us down. It needed me, at that moment, to shake it out of that nonsense. I mean, why did I need to feel so lousy about myself? I knew I had a low self-esteem. I presumed that this was part of being a teenage girl, that I would get over it later on. It was something that didn't deserve my attention, at least not at that time. But boy, I was definitely wrong. At that time, I was a decent-looking girl, young, fit, going to school. I had or have a family and was sort of going through that hormonal stage of puberty. And was that what it was? Was it the hormones or or was it the, the grunge scene? Was that what it was or was it the apathy of the alternative crowd I was hanging out with? Or was it the magazines or the TV? or Hollywood influence over me that made me act this way? Or was it the genetic map that I inherited that made me this way? In my opinion, it's a mixture of all of this. Ultimately, though, is it possible to really pinpoint the exact moment where it started? Maybe, maybe not. One thing for sure is that identifying that every time we chip away at our egos, it is like a sculptor chipping away at the marble in their sculptures. There is less left behind, and what remains of self-esteem is essentially closer to who we are as people and our personalities. What remains of self-esteem are four components that define esteem that you may feel for yourself, and these include self-confidence, identity, feeling of belonging, and feeling of competence. I remember learning about the id, the ego, and superego in English uh, while reading the book, The Lord of the Flies. And if you're not familiar with these terms, uh, the the id is the demand, uh, let me see if I got this right, it's been a while since I reviewed this, but the id is the, the demanding part of your personality, the ego is the, the realistic part of your personality and the super ego is the, the one area of, of your psyche that thinks about others and, and is the uh, more compassionate side of yourself. Don't quote me on these because I didn't 
I didn't quite have notes set out for this to to describe these, but but you can look them up if you're if you're not too clear on these. As I said, I was I found these out while I was I was reading the book The Lord of the Flies, but I never realized how much of an impact my overall sense of my personal value and worth would have on my entire life. I was never sort of consciously thinking of how much I appreciated myself or I liked myself. And as a teenager, I definitely was familiar with self-hatred because I viewed my appearance as too fat, too short, my hips were too big, and my nose was definitely too large. And I definitely did not like what I was seeing most of the time when I was looking in the mirror. And yes, when we do this, constantly chipping away at our egos, it is like the sculpture analogy with these thoughts, but at the same time, I see it as that we are getting more concretely getting to our true self, to the core of our essence in some sense, the core of our personalities. And using the analogy of the sculptor, we are the block of marble. And and once we have been sort of exposed to or chipped away at by many external influences of either other people or sort of the reality that we have sort of surrounding us, or if we're influenced by print, by television, uh, by movies, etc., we then become more modeled after others, more influenced by our environment. And this can be taken sort of as a philosophical and sort of a psychological understanding because it is how you think and why you think the way you do, of looking at it anyway. I know it's a very sort of rudimentary way of describing it, but when we put our own lens on the world around us, that too reinterprets it once again. Essentially, we need to view our own experiences with an awareness that shines a light on our interactions with others, our friends, our family, and our coworkers. Doing this would be sort of a spotlight on the areas that need to be monitored or corrected, because sometimes others, or even ourselves, need to have a nudge or a reminder, because sometimes what's happening is just not helping. In the brains, in the brains, <laughs> in our brains, there is so, so, so much going on, and, and I will break down the sort of key areas that uh, pertain to our sense of self. And these include what neuroscientists have found. And these are three regions of the brain that are responsible for our self-awareness. And these include the insular cortex, anterior cingulate, and the medial prefrontal cortex. And describing these brain regions to you identifies them and gives them sort of context. <laughs> so as G.I. Joe says, knowing is half the battle. <laughs> and battle, you may, may say, as a question because, yes, understanding our brains, the skeletal structure that houses our minds, and the mind that holds our consciousness and everything else, I believe this is fundamental to live a sort of more adjusted and cohesive life. And for myself, it started with the self-esteem that led me to the alternative crowd, where we sort of were having fun with various substances, and at the time I found that it was acceptable to be treated poorly by my boyfriend, Jake. 
And I haven't really gone into detail too much about that because, well, those are um, entirely different episodes right there and how Jake treated me. Uh, but that, I don't know. I don't know if I'll get into that, like if I'll have those separate episodes, but we'll see. And if those end up happening, well, who wants to hear about those sort of struggles? It's more about just trying to get away from that kind of uh, situation and, and finding finding a better space. Uh, but fast forward, I went to BC with Jake and that's and then uh i became pregnant and then the car crash uh and talk about coring my stories in a couple of sentences <laughs> but i definitely left out many juicy bits that that you will have to listen to some of the other podcast episodes to know more in detail and one thing is for certain i definitely want listeners and readers to know that none of this blog or podcast is for profit. I want people to learn from these experiences because I definitely, definitely do not want anyone to take the same path as me because it led to a lot of destruction, sadness, anger, and trauma. And saying that, though, I know that plenty of wonderful things that have grown out of these experiences. And this time in my life, I was able to meet Jude who for a time helped me get back on my feet. He helped me in countless ways. Last I left it in episode 15, we had broken up. I went manic, of course. <laughs> of course, right? When anything traumatic sort of happens when you're bipolar, automatic reaction is go manic or get really, really depressed. I don't know which is worse or which is better. But yeah, I went manic. And yeah, I understood that he did not want to have anything to do with me because I wasn't adding any value to his life, that's for sure. For the years following that, from 2007 to 2010, I was like a spinning top. I was out of control. After I had finally come home from partying across Ontario and Montreal, my parents put me on some sedating medication, and this left me hanging out in their backyard, lighting one cigarette with the butt of the last one which isn't really a great idea, uh, but I was barely eating, and if I was eating, I was eating terribly. And Jude called me up one December day and asked if I wanted to go skating at Nathan Phelps Square, and the rest, they say, is history. The insight for this episode is the word stop. It's an anagram using the first letter of the whole word. Okay, so S stands for stop. T stands for think, O stands for of, and P stands for plan. So that's stop and think of plan. And I know that may sound advanced for some people as like, how how would you put that sort of uh, idea into action, right? And, and I do still find myself, you know, having some, some trouble with that. But well, as I figured out over time, it it, it is something that the individual sort of has to figure out for themselves. And for myself, how I do that is I make sure that I have sort of positive routines that I basically kind of live by, you know, the the exercise uh, five, five mornings a week. Uh, I do, I do different things, but I won't go into it, but, <laughs> but different types of exercises every morning. And then, and then, you know, um, building other sort of positive things throughout the day to make sure that 
that yeah, I have a plan and I also have goals that I that I want to achieve within sort of a, a set sort of time frame, you know, five years, ten years, sort of of uh, goals for the month, for the week, things like that. Remember to like, share, and comment on this Tangentialist podcast. You can do that at http colon backslash backslash www.facebook.com backslash tangentialist. That's T-A-N-G-E-N-T-A-L-I-S-T with a capital T. So thank you, Glorious Humanoids, for tuning in, and I'll see you next time. And this is what I will go into great deal with in the next episode as I take you down another rabbit hole of my heady days of my rebellious youth, tripped up by disorder. Holding up these anecdotes, I express them to you and I give them for you to enjoy and consider as I reflect and remodel and re-engage what the future has for me on these social platforms. See you next time. Tangentialist.